We should just cue the music. Hello there. I am Iron Man. I am your father. I'm Batman. Why so serious? I know, right? If you think it's nerdy, we got you covered. Tell me, do you play it? Oh, no, no, that's not a question I need answer. Just take my money already! Just do it! I know what I have to do, but I don't know if I have the strength to do it. It's so dark! Do you say that from the DC Universe? We know each other! She's a friend from work! We were doing it everywhere. And I mean everywhere. At the office. After hours. Over the phone. On the weekend. Get your head out of the gutter. We were talking about comic books, shows, and movies. I can do this all day. Yeah, I know. So now we bring you Just Another Nerd Show with Jason Whistle and Kevin Hilston. Welcome one and all to Just Another Nerd Show. And if the title is any indication, guess what you're in for? A whole lot of nerd talk. Welcome to the first episode of this podcast. I'm your host, Jason. And joining me is co-host Kevin Hilson. Kev, how are you doing today, man? I'm great. I love talking about this stuff. And uh, we're getting paid for this, right? Like, Because talking around the water cooler at work is uh, is great and all. But now we got a platform. Like a real well, I, I, I will tell you that they are paying us double what we got paid before for talking about all this while we nice. were at work, uh, which unfortunately is double of nothing. Nice. And Two times if my, zero. If, if my grade school math is correct, we're still getting paid nothing then. That's that math is sound, my friend. That is sound. Uh, the math is sound, but the pay is not. So for those of you who are now curious and invested into this show, because, hey, nerd shows are good. And this is just another one. Kev, what can people expect from this podcast? we're going to touch on everything like yeah you and i had this idea that we wanted to talk about uh anything that comes up you know like the batman was this past weekend uh we know we got some doctor strange coming up later like marvel dc stuff uh the shows the movies we'll review them we'll i mean i know you and i love doing our fan casting as well mm -hmm. we always used to jump into each other's edit suites at work and do our fan casting so I'm hoping we can like add that into the show. That would be so cool. It's it's going to be just basically, you know, chock a block full of absolute fun nerd talk. And you mentioned, of course, the Batman. You and I have now both seen it. Um, we're going to do our best to not spoil too much of the Batman. Um, if you haven't seen it, uh, I will say. Uh, pack an extra seat cushion because it is a long movie. Um, but we are dealing with, you know, at, at least the initial response to the movie is arguably one of the best Batman movies to ever be created. Was that your take as you were watching this? Uh, well, first off, we were talking before this and I was saying how every every take on Batman is so unique and so different. The reaction to this Batman movie was what I was hoping to have come out of Eternals where I mm -hmm. knew Chloe Zhao is a distinguished director, same as Matt Reeves. They have put out some incredible work. Unfortunately, Chloe Zhao couldn't handle the ensemble, but Matt Reeves, however, holy cow, home run. I, I think part of the problem with Eternals is that you're introducing 10 characters, basically, who no one has heard of. And even the post credit scenes, um, there's a whole lot of... You know, it's almost like they had to shoehorn in some Avengers references to to give it some familiarity because you are dealing with, you know, characters that you know, diehard comic book fans will be familiar with, but the average you know MCU moviegoer is going to be completely lost. Like the whole yeah. idea of the, the the Black Knight is like, great, who the hell is this guy? You know, it's yeah. just another you know collection of Game of Thrones characters. 
But with the Batman, everyone knows the Batman. Wiss, Wiss, is it fair to say that at this point in our timeline, in the actual human race's timeline, if we are to consume a comic book movie, I need this to be a movie first and a comic book second. Mm-hmm. I need the quality of good storytelling and good character development not taken over by, hey, look, it's Robert Pattinson. Hey, look, it's Colin Farrell. Hey, look, it's John Turturro. I did not even, like, you could have told me that they were three homeless guys on the street and it wouldn't have mattered because I didn't feel like it was their movie. I felt like it was Matt Reeves' movie and these actors were all so on board with showing his vision and it was just so beautifully done. And I think the difference too is that with Eternals, you have to spend the time introducing the characters and introducing their world. With the Batman, you don't have to... You know, you don't have to take the time to explain who the penguin is. We know who the penguin is. You know, you don't have to, you know, explain who Alfred and. Oh, and you don't have to do that dreaded uh, alleyway Martha and Thomas Wayne getting shot again. Oh, my God. We saw it in slow motion enough in Batman v Superman. Right. And that that, I think that's why Spider-Man Homecoming was, of course, so well received because we didn't need to see Uncle Ben die again. So you, you got rid of the the need for exposition and the need for character development, which meant that you had pretty much three hours, you know, the longest Batman movie ever. Um, and of course, it's going to get Zack Snyder references because it is so damn long. <laughs> but but it was it was definitely a methodical pace. It's not like your traditional superhero action film. We actually got Detective Batman in this one. And it looks like we're going to get more because like the cast is now teasing. I don't want to get too far ahead. I know I know we got a plan here, but like the cast was teasing in the pre-screenings that they're like, oh, Court of Owls. And then we got Riddler in this one. And if you have Riddler and Joker, you have a lot of villains with so much potential for a detective stories and b psychological thrillers. I am so on board with this trilogy. Mm -hmm. You want to end with Court of Owls? You want to tell me? I don't know. I'll throw something on the wall and see if it sticks. Like Thomas and Martha Wayne were in their heyday leaders of the court of owls. And then Bruce Wayne has to like clean that up. Like, Oh my God. Like I'm, I'm just, I love it. I love it, man. And I think one of the more interesting things about the Batman is that the first DC movie in a while, obviously since uh, man of steel that they haven't tried to shoehorn in the DCEU. It's just a Batman film. And I'm really okay with that because as soon as Marvel, you know, as soon as Nick Fury is sitting behind Tony Stark's desk saying, I want to talk to you about the Avengers initiative, everyone and their dog tried to create a cinematic universe. You know, we had DC saying, okay, we're going to create our cinematic universe. You had uh, the Kaiju verse with Pacific Rim and Godzilla and King Kong, which I still want to see come to fruition. I want Pacific Rim (laughs) in that. I mean, that's just me. I love a good Godzilla film. You had Tom Cruise, you know, swing and miss on the very first attempt at like their dark monsters, universal creatures universe. And that went absolutely nowhere. And And I I still have no idea what's going on with the Jurassic movies as well. Right. And, And to mention as well, you've got the upcoming hopeful Hasbro verse, uh, with Transformers, oh, yeah. G.I. Joe, Micronauts, ROM. Like the fact that there's a director attached to ROM uh, gives me hope because I always loved ROM Space Night as a kid. Um, don't ask me why that comic book, it just kind of stood out for me. Um, 
but Marvel. No, this felt more like the uh, Wiss. You ever play the Arkham video games? Yes, absolutely. Oh my god, it's this so felt good. like that. I he came out in the suit, and I'm like, oh my god, if he's voiced by Kevin Conroy, then why did we even use Robert Pattinson? But no, mm-hmm. Robert Pattinson did a great job. <laughs> but and, it, and- it looked amazing. Oh my god. And there's going to be one of the biggest comparisons, too, because any time an actor puts on the cowl for the first time, they have to be compared to everyone that came before them. And I think, as you mentioned, the Shakespeare reference is that every Batman does kind of make it their own. I think Pattinson definitely created a very unique Batman in the pantheon of live action Batman movies. Yeah, absolutely. He was, uh, I came out of it actually, my, my dad always gets sick of it because I, I try to watch these movies with him and uh, I, I went to him after and I, I'm in the car and, you know, he doesn't say a word and he's actually acting more like Batman where he's more stoic and he's just kind of sitting there taking it all in. That's what I felt like with this movie is that Batman, it's, we pick him up in what, year two? Mm-hmm. And that, that he's developed this relationship and this, um, uh, 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 establish this um oh my god what's the word i'm looking he's, for he's a known commodity to the gotham city police department but he's not yeah. it, it's it's not full on you know if you think about the adam west years you know batman was very pre- pretty much a part of the police force at that point um this is more around that early part of like batman begins um like that but no rachel ghoul they changed that too Mm-hmm. I mean, they did borrow from a couple of different storylines. I will admit, before going to see the movie, I sat and watched the animated uh, Batman: The Long Halloween because Best this story. borrowed uh, this borrowed heavily from that, and it borrowed a little bit from Year One as well. Of course, those kind of those arcs are always good to uh, to draw from because, let's be honest, comic book movies from now and forevermore are going to not just be good movies or need to be good movies. But you got to have some fan service and drawing from those kind of storylines means a lot. And I think they did it well by drawing enough from it without just mm-hmm. copying it. But you said Long Halloween and Batman Year One. Mm-hmm. Let me throw another one in there that I was getting vibes from Batman Hush. I was getting yes, big Batman Hush vibes from this movie, too. And I was so excited. And I think Hush 2 is a very, like, that's a next logical step if they're going to borrow from the source material for another The Batman story. Like, I would love to see a Hush film that, you know, at least a live action Hush film. There is an animated one, but, and it is very well done. That's the funny thing about DC. Well, everyone was kind of saying, oh, DC movies, they suck, they suck, they suck, right? Their animated movies were always top notch. For the most part, they were top notch. Um, and it's almost are. like they are, they are. And I think they're starting to recognize that and take a little bit from that. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, w- when I was looking up, uh, I, uh, we were looking at like the top Batman movies of all time. And I was trying to look at like different websites, ratings and different insiders in the industry. And all of them included animated movies of Batman, mm-hmm. like Batman Ninja, you had um, Arkham Knight, uh, The Dark Knight Returns, I believe. Yeah, The, uh, Dar- or- the Dark Knight Returns Part 1 and Part 2. You had, uh, yeah. um, uh, what was it, Mask of the Phantasm always gets mentioned because, oh. of course, it, it comes straight out of the... Uh, I also love The Killing series. Joke. Yes. Killing Joke and Long Halloween are my two favorite stories. It's fine. Killing Joke is very much a, a divisive one because the Killing Joke half of it is very true to the comic book. 
the first half of it, which was written specifically for the animated film, to kind of flush out Batgirl a little bit. So when, you know, when Joker shoots Batgirl, you almost feel more bad for her because you got to know her a bit more. And yeah, you, yeah, you I, have to give that backstory. If you're going to put her in a wheelchair, we have to mm-hmm. be, you know, empathetic toward or empathetic or sympathetic. I always get those two mixed up a, a little towards both. the character. Yeah, a little of both. But yeah, no, like you, you flushed out her story because Batgirl didn't really get much attention as far as the, um, you know, the anime ones go. I mean, even in Batman Bad Blood, it was Batwoman instead of Batgirl. So, I mean, I think, mm-hmm. you know, prior to um, the Killing Joke or even after the Killing Joke, the only time I've seen Batgirl really noticed in a DC animated film was Justice League Dark Apocalypse War. And yeah. she, she did not last long in that. It's like, here, no. I'm going to go fight. And <laughs> no, she did not. No, no, no one lasted long in that one. No, but uh, it, I thought it was Suicide Squad. I had to check the uh, the label on the uh, on the file I was watching. I think everyone was a Suicide Squad at that point. <laughs> well, the record Apocalypse War is very much the, you know, if you take a, if you watch the documentary on, um, what it took to make the the death of Superman comic book oh, arc, yeah, and the the whole idea of you know when they go into the the room every year to come up with a year's worth of Superman stories, they always get frustrated at one point and say, well, why don't we just kill him? And they went with it one year. And that was the year that they did the Doomsday storyline. Yeah, in the that was the books. story of like George Lucas with uh, Han Solo for years, right? Or no, it was Han mm-hmm. Solo was asking to be killed off. He's like, why can't you just kill me? And right. He finally did. And then it was an uproar. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's always fun in theory until you actually do it, until you actually kill off Superman. And then, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you got to bring him back. Which I, I mean... Talking about you know taking from uh, you know from source material, I'm I'm almost happier that they killed Han Solo in the in uh, the Force Awakens because if they if they borrowed from the Star Wars expanded universe novels, um, Chewie doesn't make it. Sorry, spoilers. Chewie doesn't. Well, the books are no longer canon, so it's okay. But I don't know Chewie, what's canon anymore. Star Wars is kind of <laughs> yeah. But that was the thing. Those Star Wars books carried on the legacy long enough for us to, you know, get our prequels and then our eventual, you know, Disney made um, yeah. Skywalker seven, eight, and nine. Um, but yeah, for the longest time, those books were considered, you know, the sequels we wish we had. Um, yeah. But che- Chewbacca went out like like a like a hero. I'm just going to say that right there. Chewbacca <laughs> went out like an absolute hero. <laughs> I kind of wish Han Solo went out very Chewbacca like. It just didn't happen. Okay. Well, let me transition back to the topic at hand. Then. <laughs> the Chewbacca, the Chewbacca to Batman's Han Solo in this is so clearly Jim Gordon. So mm-hmm. clearly. Like, they are buddy-buddy cop. It's fantastic. I love the di- dynamic. I love that it's basically Jim Gordon's personal nightlight that he turns on when he wants to talk to Robert Pattinson, which I wish I had in my backyard. I wish Batman would just show up and talk to me once in a while. But <laughs> is he up there? For your top Jim Gordon. I know like we've seen very little of him right now. To a point. To a point. Um, yes. I, I do have to admit, um, as soon as Jeffrey Wright walks on the screen, you hear his voice. Oh. And oh. the the first thing I all I hear in my head is time reality. <laughs> <laughs> because of course he is the voice of the watcher in Marvel. What if a Batman left. movie was good? 
<laughs> Coincidentally, yes. Yeah. But I, I, I really enjoyed Jeffrey. I mean, I, I, I love Jeffrey Wright to begin with. Um, I thought he was great in Westworld. Um, yeah. His voice is so iconic. His voice alone is so perfect for that kind of era. Jim Gordon. It matched the whole tone and pacing of the film. Um, yeah. like, like he is phenomenal. I mean. And he pulls off the stash well. If you're going to play Jim Gordon, you got to pull off that stash really, really well. Slightly different from, of course, in Gotham. But I, I thought Jeffrey Wright was a really, really good, um, good uh, uh, Jim Gordon. Okay, um, let's compare I, Zoe Kravitz then. Catwoman. Oh my God! So this, this is where I really have to applaud Zoe Kravitz because, you know, if we take a look at, at our cinematic. Cat women, okay, and I'm not counting Halle Berry because that basically is basically not... her and Michelle Pfeiffer at this point, right? That like, let's no, just... no, 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 no. You forgot Anne Hathaway. No, I think the studio forgot Anne Hathaway. <laughs> I didn't forget Anne Hathaway. She was great, but like, come on, they they I... barely used her in that movie. But there's a difference though in that I think Anne Hathaway in her Catwoman. Um, more modeled it after Julie Newmar from the uh, the 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 Adam West series. Yeah, okay. Whereas Zoe Kravitz leaned more into the Eartha Kitt style, obviously not with the the mm. purring and whatnot, but very much a you know spry, slinky, like just like, but so much more, so much more. And it's funny that we're talking about this because uh in my other podcast it's not that bad. We just finished talking about Rough Night and of course she's in that as well. Mm-hmm. And Zoe Kravitz really is on a you know, I'm not going to say meteoric rise, but definitely upward trending absolutely and like her her presence alone. If you're going to get in the cat suit, you got to be confident. And she yeah. killed it in this. If you're going to wear half a toque and only show off your eyes, Mm-hmm. That's by the way, comic accurate. <laughs> but I also love that on all the costumes, and this is just what got me thinking about it. But on all the costumes, you can see again a bit of your one vibes where you're like, okay, I can see there can be advancements. And that's mm-hmm. that's a big thing. That's important to me as a fan. If I'm gonna watch the first movie of possibly many, at least two, like let, let's think Matt Reeves is gonna get at least a second one here. I'm hoping. Oh, absolutely. Trilogy. Yeah. Yeah. I'm hoping for advancements. I'm hoping for uh, not to show up to the theater in Batman v Superman and see uh, a bat suit that is Iron Man like that in the comics we got old man Bruce Wayne in like mm-hmm. you don't don't show me something that's near the end of his career let's build up to that let's grow with the character so that when a certain character who will not be named because it will bring me to tears wields all six infinity stones and snaps his fingers at the end of like 10 11 years that he's able to bring us all to tears and make us yell no at the screen and then look back at our buddy and wonder why we're crying at a character. <laughs> you know, like I'm not speaking from experience, clearly. Like so, so so for Christmas I should not get you a mug that says Thanos was right. Like, come on. Should, can we not do that? Hawkeye, please? Hawkeye was the worst for that. Like, can we not like please? <laughs> my my man's like sacrificed himself. I, I'm not over it, clearly. It's I get over breakups like quicker than this. You got some issues here. You got some Thanos I, issues. I got some deep rooted issues, man. You, I need Mark Ruffalo to be my therapist. You are not what you are. What happens when you don't get blipped? You I, suffered I that am, five years. Yeah, I'm the product of an anti blip, of a no blip. 
Which, when when you think about it too, we're going to get to a point where we're five years after the end of Infinity War, and people are going to feel like, oh yeah, this is this is when the blip was supposed to to come back. That's next year, isn't it? Because it was twenty eighteen. So. Was it twenty eighteen? It was twenty eighteen. So we we're almost at the end of the blip. We're, we're almost at the end of the blip. <laughs> Look at that. I haven't even oh. been to one of Captain America's AA meetings either. Well, there's there's always one of the Thursdays. You, you're just like Black Widow silently crying in a room. No, I would get her a peanut butter sandwich. I know this movie way too well. I don't know why. <laughs> I, you know what? Okay, wait. Back to Batman. We we keep getting off topic here. Okay. I will back say back to Batman. The, one of the more interesting casting in this was, of course, um, Andy Serkis as Alfred, but a oh, much yeah. more um, not a doting Alfred. It's an this Alfred feels like that a the, unique Alfred. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you got these vibes from him in the past. Like Michael Caine's Alfred, by the way, second to none. Like, and I know that's kind of my generation when I was growing up with, but Michael Caine just brought this nice, like stoic wisdom to it. Almost like a surrogate father. Mm-hmm. Andy Circus kind of had somebody serving him during it. Like, it's almost like it's him and Bruce that are running the castle. Have you ever noticed that like, of all the Batman live action films since, you know, Michael Keaton put the cowl on, um, it feels like, I mean, except for Robert Pattinson, you know, Batman was getting older, but Alfred has been, you know, Benjamin buttoning his way through all of these Batman movies because, you know, yeah. the, those, those Michael Keaton, you know, and Joel Schumacher era films, Alfred was, of course, a much older and more doting, you know, servant yeah. to, to Bruce Wayne. And then, of course, you get uh, Michael Caine, who is just brilliant in anything you put him in. God-level um, actor. Right. And then you got Jeremy Irons, who I really did appreciate him as Alfred. And, of course, in the DCEU. And now you get Andy Serkis, who's a much more conflicted Alfred. You know, he's he's at that point where he's trying to maintain the Wayne legacy while dealing with Batman in a very, you know embryonic state of his you know crime fighting career so it's it's a very interesting point as to where alfred is yeah absolutely and uh i i'm not gonna lie in the theater i was uh i I think the guy beside me thought i was just nuts but when he got the letter to the batman and it said flame proof Mm -hmm. that was the part in my head that i was like are you kidding me, Matt Reeves? You're going to kill off Alfred right now? Because that's like at that point, like, OK, I go into hardcore fan mode once in a while where I if I think someone's going to die, I start <laughs> replaying their entire life in my head. Like as weird as that sounds, I start thinking back to all the trailer footage, everything that I've seen. And I'm like, have I seen any other scenes with Alfred in it? So at that point, I was like, I feel like I've seen it all. Because uh, obviously they didn't want to show him in a hospital bed. That's a big spoiler, right? I mean, it's a downside that you had to, you know, you know, put Alfred in the hospital to motivate Batman to to get his ish together. Um, but it's, you know, there you go. Um, I'm not going to lie. I am really impressed with just how chameleon-like Colin Farrell was as the Penguin. Did you yeah, did we, you hear the story about that? By the way, that no. he was there was a security guard that frequently wouldn't let him on set. Well, not frequently, but like the first two three times he put on the 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 prosthetics, they didn't let him on set. 
because they kept stopping him and he goes, no, man, I'm Colin Farrell, like in his Irish accent. I'm not good at it, but he's like, yeah, like I'm called I'm Colin Farrell. And they're like, yeah, OK, like whatever, fatso, like get out of here. <laughs> and like it, it was incredible how how he took on this role. And he was talking about in an interview where he was just like, you know, I was thinking I'm going to have to take a different approach to it. And, you know, it was going to be different. And then they put on the prosthetics and he like snapped. He was like, boom. I know exactly what voice to use. I know exactly how I'm going to go about this. Like he just saw himself in a mirror and he just became Oz. Mm -hmm. But, but a more realistic grounded, you know, for lack of a better term, Chicago style penguin, as opposed to, you know, Danny DeVito going all all over the place uh, as in like the second Michael Keaton Batman. He was in the Joel Schumacher films, right? Uh, no, it was it was still Tim Tim Burton at that point because that, that was okay. that was in Batman Returns, but it was still like there, there was so much you know, um, penguin and then it ran for mayor right? Yeah, sorry, was, I've hit my head a few times mayor. since I've seen that movie, so forgive <laughs> me. <laughs> well, we'll stop thinking about Thanos. Stop hitting your head. But stop hitting your head. Yeah, stop hitting your head. Damn it! Why are you hitting yourself? Why are you hitting yourself? <laughs> but but it everyone in this is grounded in this in a sense of reality it's not comic book and i think that's part of the problem with some of the earlier batman especially the joel schumacher era you know mm. the, the the arnold schwarzenegger as mr freeze one lines like completely missing hey man you need to chill, <laughs> you need to chill. no you just need to no chill. just no like <laughs> missing the point like you see mr freeze and you want that batman animated series type of Mr. Freeze, who is a much more sympathetic character. I'd be curious to see what, what a Matt Reeves would do with a Mr. Freeze in a Batman sequel, as opposed to seeing, you know, I'm okay with no Mr. Freeze. I'm okay with that. I like, I like going the hush route. I like going even the, uh, the red hood route. Mm -hmm. Oh, that would be so good. I like going for these psychological thrillers. He did such a great job with a Paul Dano Riddler. That mm-hmm. made him look like, by the way, exactly the same story as the Zodiac Killer. Love that. Love that he took inspiration from, from real life. Like those videos, if you ever like, if you ever went back or actually there's a movie about the Zodiac Killer with um, Robert Downey in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, yeah. It's an the, the videos that, yeah. He, that he took, the killer took, were so close to Paul Dano's Riddler. Oh, my God. I was just I was getting chills every time he got on screen because I thought he was going to reach out and. I don't know. Riddle me something. I I don't know that that whole that. scene where Batman first goes to see him in Arkham is oh. a masterclass of cinema villainy, an yeah. absolute masterclass of cinema villainy. And again, we are trying our best not to spoil this movie for you, but you know he well, is at this a, point. A, oh, we got to talk about the ending point. eventually. Eventually, we will get there, um, but we will we will let you know in spoilers. But right now, we're just talking about how good the actors really are in this. Um, and it's funny, too, because and by now you already know that Barry Keoghan and I really hope I pronounce his name right. If I'm not, I'm sorry. Um, Kev can hit me in the head a few times, but we already know that Barry Keoghan is the Joker. So you got I think I actually liked Paul Deneau better than that 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 joker laugh that we got in the movie and i never thought i'd say i like the riddler better than the joker and i always wanted to picture i remember when they were making um like 
posters, like fan idea posters for casting for a Riddler. And I always wanted to see the idea of a David Tennant as the Riddler because someone made like a fan poster. I'm like, oh my God, this would be brilliant. But now it's hard to picture the Riddler not as Paul Dineau in a very, very creepy style, like chilling. Yeah, you hit it right on the nose. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about Matt Reeves for a second here, um, because this is, it's a very long movie. Like, if you're going in expecting a Zack Snyder length, um, you're, you're lucky. It's about an hour <laughs> shorter. Um, oh, if, yeah. you're going, if you're going in expecting um, a Joss Whedon length, it's much longer. Um, it's a very deliberate pace, too. And the first movie that came to mind as I was watching it, um, was Heat, which was directed by Michael Mann and starred uh, Robert De Niro and Al Pacino. That is a very deliberate movie, consistently paced, and uh, almost like a chess match. And that's that, that was the best way I think I can describe this one, is that if Batman was a chess match, it would play out like this movie. Yeah, it was, it was so perfect how Batman was so quick. And as he, as he is in the comics... Even the Adam West Batman, as they played it off for comedy, Adam West Batman was always the smartest guy in the room, was always able to figure out the Riddler's clues fairly quickly, even if they played it off for jokes once in a while. But this mm -hmm. Robert Pattinson Batman got the clues right away. And then the one time when he didn't was when the Riddler was thrown off because he's expecting the Batman to follow along as kind of his adversary, his, his, uh, you know, his. He he think at this point in the story, Riddler thinks he's he's the Joker to uh, Pattinson's Batman. Mm -hmm. He thinks that he's the ultimate adversary. He thinks you know Batman and I are two sides of the same coin, um, and he's going to help me basically draw out Falcone. Right? That's that's the the preface of it all. Is that it's a big uh, revenge storyline, right? Mm -hmm. And that's always been the. Um... The thing about the Riddler, too, is that it's not just that he's doing bad things. He's doing them in a way to challenge the Batman, because here is the world's greatest detective. Here is arguably the perfect equal to the Riddler's complex mind and 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 machinations and, and plots and whatever. And there was one line, and, I, and I'm going to say this line because it was in the trailer, so it's not really giving away anything. But it's just when he looks, when he looks at Batman and goes, oh, you're not as smart as I thought you were. And, Creepy. And how, Loved the delivery on that, too. Oh, it was so, so good. Like, Paul Deneau, just like, you know, golf clap for that performance. It was so good. Um, but that, that was the essence of the Riddler. I mean, yes, Jim Carrey was a very... Um, dynamic Riddler, but his was more of a uh, of an Adam West era style. Um, I, I'm not going to knock Jim Carrey for his performance. He clearly didn't have to read a comic book, didn't even have to read a script. You just put him in a costume and you say, hey, Jim, be Jim. Mm -hmm. And oh. then he was just Jim for an hour. I mean, Jim Carrey's Riddler at the time was actually really, really good. Um, yeah. I, 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 you could take Tommy Lee Jones and throw him out the window because he's definitely not Harvey Dent. I think Jim Carrey did want to throw Tommy Lee Jones out the window from what I heard of uh, yeah. <laughs> what they but, had on but, set. <laughs> but, but again, that was that was the beginning of the downfall because that was the first Joel Schumacher Batman. Right. And it was just so It became a little goofy so at that neon. point, too. Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah. But I liked your idea, though. 
of going more of a, a hush route or, yeah. or, or a Zass or um, a Hugo Strange type angle or an Arkham Asylum type feel, which of course they, we're going to get to that in a little bit. But yeah, Hugo Strange would be awesome. That mm-hmm. would be so cool. That was and a great the, way I, as well to expand on the Arkham show that they might be doing, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, that was the, I think the, the coolest thing about Batman Begins, you know, when, you know, the first Christian Bale film in that, you know, they didn't go right to the, the, the most known villains, you know, they didn't go straight to Joker or Penguin or really, they went to the Scarecrow mm. and it's such, it's such a different take and it allowed us to, you know, introduce Christian Bale's Batman in something that was unfamiliar to us, which made it unique. And while we know the Riddler, we, we, we know his kind of backstory, this take on it was a very unique take and it's introduced us very easily into this Batman world, which is a much more serious, um, especially in comparison to what we also just watched was Peacemaker, which is the complete opposite of the tonality of the Batman yet both can still work even though I'm pretty sure the Batman is not going to be interjected into the DCEU and it's just going to be a standalone I really hope they don't try to shoehorn it into something like Flashpoint that w- the, I don't the one think thing that I heard and works there yeah well in all the uh in all the pre-interviews I had heard from Matt Reeves that, Oh, like we're not going to do Joker. We're not going to do Superman. Like he was, he was the whole thing. And then I'm seeing this article, not an article, but like uh, like an Instagram post with somebody saying, Oh, I hope one day. And they were talking about um, the, the Superman and Lois show. Um, who's the guy, guy that plays him on, uh, on the HBO max show. Oh, uh, Tyler Hecklin, Tyler Hawklin or something like that. Yeah. Um, Again, apologies for completely messing up the names. Well, because the tone of his show, Superman and Lois, is comparable. Because obviously Superman is a symbol of hope. Batman is a symbol of fear and intelligence because of his detective aspect. So Mm -hmm. they are obviously tonality. Their tonality is going to be different. But that Superman is very comparative to Matt Reeves' Batman's environment. So if you had to mix them, I would love to see those two. Uh, having said that, I am so okay with this becoming like an Arkham type thing where we're not we're not mingling, we're not contaminating this beautiful Batman world that Matt Reeves has uh, not only stumbled upon but has completely thrived on. I am worried though, and I and you know hopefully my my fears are not uh, you know proven true. But of course, we've got the Flash movie coming up, and we know that Michael Keaton's Batman is going to be in that. And there have been um, set pictures of him on the set of the upcoming HBO Batgirl series. Uh, Michael Keaton, that is. Um, mm-hmm. There's rumors. There's rumors, of course, that we're going to get Batfleck in that one, and that might be his, you know, his final hurrah as Batman. Um, which I mean, I I didn't mind Batfleck. It was definitely a much, you know. A more brooding, more brooding than Robert Pattinson, I would say, even though, um, you know, it went through a few different reworks and whatnot. It's supposed to be a bit more brooding, a bit older, but uh, a bit more gruff. But I'm worried if we're going to have too many Batman around all at the same time, and if it's going to start to get confusing, like, should we just scrap the DCEU or is there room for 
taking the bigger name superheroes like like a Superman, like a Batman, and pulling them out of the DCEU and letting them have their standalone stories and allowing the Justice League to move towards um, its own thing. And then maybe that's why we got, and again, spoiler here for the Peacemaker. At the end of Peacemaker, of course, we've got um, the appearance of the Justice League, quote unquote. You know, yeah, we, we had minus Ezra the people Miller. they don't like anymore. Exactly. So we had Ezra Miller and we had um, we had Jason Momoa uh, actually talking to and around. Um, they were there. The other two were body silhouettes. Dogs, right? Exactly. You know, you know what it felt like? It felt like uh, a 10 year old playing with his past selves, his, his past eight year old selves toys. Like mm-hmm. he looked under the bed and he could only find four of the six. So he's like, you know what? This is the new Justice League. That, like that's what it felt like ray fisher side thought obviously long gone they're never gonna talk about him again because why would we mm-hmm. <laughs> like that's ridiculous to me but that besides the fact it's it's almost like that scene in deadpool it's like you know we you know all this time and we only ever see two x-men it's almost like they didn't have it in the budget yeah and then they then they <laughs> poke fun at themselves again exactly and they bring it back up in the sequel that's a great thing if you ryan reynolds is the king by the way of if you want something bitch about it jokingly and it just manifests manifest it yeah i love it i love it (laughs) but it but it is interesting because when you think about the justice league um like when it first came to the comic books of course there was you know like in in the in the golden age comic books you had superman and batman and wonder woman they were doing their own things and the justice league was not necessarily superman and batman because it was kind of written that they were off doing their own things but justice league was also at that point in time Wonder Woman and the Flash and Green Lantern and Hawkman and the Atom and all these, you know, more... A hugely rotating roster, too. Exactly, exactly. But without relying on the main, you know, the main key DC characters at the time to push it because they were pushing their own books. Mm -hmm. I'd be curious to see if we get a Batman-less, Superman-less even Wonder Woman-less Justice League movie, which will feel a bit more unique. I mean, we got our Trinity. We got like the, the original three together for a Justice League movie. Let's move forward with some new characters and help develop that. I don't, I don't know, man. And I, I'm going to say, I don't know simply because I have yet to see Supergirl, which is mm-hmm. who would take on the Kryptonian role in this. I think having no Gal Gadot is a huge loss. If I'm, they I'm choose saying to not in Justice League. I think yeah, you can still do Wonder Woman I'm, movies with her, but I I'm don't I'm talking think... about team-up movies, man. Like, if that first Justice League movie flopped, which to a ensemble standard, it did. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't. I just don't know how you... Well, the problem let, let me rephrase is... that. I don't, I don't think Ezra Miller and Jason Momoa can carry a Justice League movie. Oh, just Jason Momoa could for sure. I don't think so. You don't think so? No, I don't think so. I, I'll, I I'll think curious that to they see. built a part of me. I'll be curious to see because, of course, we've got the Aquaman movie that will be coming up, and I wonder if this yeah, is, whenever that airs. Yeah, well, eventually, right? It was in the trailer, which of course now is completely out of date, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. But that—that's um, another thing. Remember, we were talking before about the bat suits and stuff. They gave mm-hmm. us Aquaman's final look. It felt like in the first movie. Like, mm-hmm. thanks, but now you got to go to a black suit? Like, okay. Could, like, can we, could we have just saved the golden green for later? Gonna, like, you have no plans of doing Aquaman another Justice the, League movie. If we can get, Hawk, you know, 
hook hand Aqu- Aquaman. That would be. He's cool. going to become like Thor. Then he's going to start losing limbs every every movie. Yeah, we can get some back, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he, he's part. He, well, and apparently, another spoiler for Peacemaker. Apparently, he uh, has sex with fish. So I've heard. So so we've heard. Well, Did that, you see well, the interviewer, part. by the way? There was an interviewer for, I want to try and give good credit here. I think it was comicbook.com um, where he pulled Jace Momoa aside at one of the carpet events and he said, hey, if it's true, which kind of fish was it? And he just looked at him <laughs> and smiled and walked away. I was like, oh my God, I'm so proud of that interviewer. I think it was Brandon Davis. It was BD. <laughs> Shout out BD, man. Well, the thing with Jason Momoa is he's he's got a sense of humor. Right. He is, you know, he's really enjoying just this, like everything that's kind of come his way. He doesn't take it too seriously. You know, he rolls with all the punches. I, 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 I don't think I've seen a Jason Momoa role that I haven't enjoyed and enjoyed him in. He's, you know, it's, it's like that, those early days of when Dwayne Johnson was really starting to get into the movies and whatnot and everything he touched was just a ton of fun. Jason Momoa is that right now, where like everything he touches becomes a ton of fun. I think he could carry a Justice League movie as Aquaman, you know, in that leader role. Um, but I'd be curious to see what what other DC heroes you put into that. Please don't let it be elongated, man. I I need. Uh, oh, we're not going to get this in the Flashpoint movie because they would have announced a big a big casting like this. But in the original Flashpoint, there's a big war between the Amazons and the Atlanteans. Oh, which great animated stemmed movie. From, well, yeah, obviously. Like, that Flashpoint was amazing. We still don't have a reverse Flash casting, I don't think, for the Flash either. And these are all, like, key components. Even Thomas Wayne is a key component to mm-hmm. the Flashpoint story. And I feel like we're missing a lot of pieces, including a release date at this point. I think it got pushed back another three, four months. Yeah, it's a DC has uh, they recently announced a bunch of pushbacks as far as um, their 2022 now into 2023 slate. I don't know why. I mean, I'm sure there's probably reshoots going on and whatnot, but I mean, there's a there's a lot coming out this year. You know what really lucked out for them? So I got the list in front of me. The delays announced today as of recording on Wednesday, March 9th. Flash delayed three months. Aquaman 2 delayed a full year. Wonka, which was supposed to be Timothy Chalamet. This is all like Warner Brothers. Well, that, well that's just Warner this. Brothers, yeah. Yeah, Wonka was delayed as well. Black Adam was delayed. I think that was Dwayne Johnson that confirmed that. And mm-hmm. then they got lucky because Shazam 2 is ahead of schedule. So they pushed that ahead in instead. I'll be curious, though, if they, if they put Shazam 2 ahead of Black Adam. Because, I mean, no. I'm, I'm really excited for Black Adam and coincidence, the funny thing is, it's not for Black Adam. It's not necessarily Dwayne Johnson that I'm really excited for. I love the casting. James Bond. Oh, of, right. exactly. Yeah, Pierce Brosnan. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> as Doctor Fate, I think that is. I mean, Doctor Fate alone is just a very, very cool character. I think it's the the first. Yeah the first theatrical live action version we're going to get of him. Like I'm pretty sure there was a Dr. Fate in Smallville at one point, but the fact that we're going to get a live action, like pristine casting of Dr. Fate. Yeah. I'm so excited for that. That's like top on my list. Pierce Brosnan, not to open a whole can of worms here. My favorite bond, the best bond 
Um, but on top of that, just a highly respected actor, put on the helmet, you know, become one of the he, he's like Marvel's equivalent to like Doctor Strange kind mm -hmm. of thing, like that level of respect and sorcery, uh, the kind of guy that can step into a battle. Um, like, do you remember in Infinity War when Thor arrived in Wakanda? Oh, yeah. It's that kind of feeling when Dr. Fate arrives somewhere. You're like, oh, OK, they're going to clean up the mess. Like that, Bring that me kind Thanos. of feeling, you know? <laughs> Bring me Thanos. Also Thanos. Just before he snapped. Also Thanos. <laughs> I'm, I'm, uh, oh, you son did, of did, didn't mean to bring you down, <laughs> but I meant to bring you down. <laughs> oh, man. But going forward with the Batman series, um, Matt Reeves has announced that Gotham PD has been shelved. It's not happening. It's been morphed into an Arkham series that they're developing for HBO. And it was yeah. also announced this week that HBO has put in an order for a Penguin series. Yeah. How much of this is, you know, milking a good thing? And how much of this is, there's, you know, it's about time we kind of got these stories? Well, I'm actually really glad, um, also a little skeptical, that that Gotham PD series was ever even going to happen. You know how oftentimes, like, they'll they'll slate something and they'll give it like a, a temporary name. And then mm -hmm. they're like, yeah, you know, it was never going to be that. I, I have a feeling that Gotham, if you made a series or you pitched a series called Gotham PD, I feel like nobody really bats an eye. But now that you're naming it Arkham, there's a few more eyeballs on it, especially because of uh, the ending of a certain Batman film this past weekend. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I do, I do wonder too, if that's where you introduce, um, like, I don't know if you bring in Margot Robbie. As as Harlan Quinzel at that point, yeah. I think you I think you have to cast a different Harlan Quinzel, and it leads to who would you put in that role? I mean, I have an idea of who I'd like to see in that role, but I'm curious who you would picture as a pre Harley Quinn, Doctor Harlan Quinzel in an Arkham series. Well, I. I feel like my opinion is a little skewed right now because I know who the rumor is that they've been in talks with. Oh, I'm <laughs> curious now. Who's the rumor? Uh, Disney Channel's Dove Cameron. I could see that. Yeah, I could she see did that. Some, some she's she did some work on Agents of Shield that I didn't love, um, mm -hmm. but I think that was her first. I'm gonna call it adult acting role, even though it's with ABC, same company. But it, that was her first like kind of big kid job since the Disney Channel. Right. Because, like, I, I'm, I'm not going to belittle what they do on Disney Channel, but they also don't act the same as adults because, obviously, their audience is not as attentive as adults. But I, I mean, I'm like, not knocking kids. I'm not. It's, no, no, no. It's no. Kids. They're great. I would be curious. <laughs> I would be curious to see Ivana Lynch as Ivana Lynch. a pre-Harley Quinn um, Harleen Quinzel. Yvonne Lynch, probably best known as Luna Lovegood from the Harry Potter movies. Um, it would be very, very interesting because I'd, I'd be curious if she could pull off um, a dark, a dark-toned movie or a dark-toned Arkham series as Dr. Harleen Quinzel. I, th I think she could pull it off. This is, this is the girl that talks like this and she's very Harry <laughs> Potter. Harry. Well, okay, well, that was back then. Harry. But if you take a look at her now, I think she actually fits the mold. Of, Mr. Joker. Um, <laughs> I actually don't mind that. That's like now that I'm kind of messing with it a little bit, I don't hate that. Right? I don't hate that. Who like no. you gotta do Marco Robbie did such a great job. I actually don't I wouldn't mind if they just left that character alone for a little bit. But Marco Robbie's 
um, Harley Quinn is more along the lines of kind of like the, the tonality that, that, that it was given in Batman, the animated series. And of course in future, um, uh, voicings done by Kaylee Cuco. And then, um, who was the other girl, uh, that played like Bernadette in big bang theory who also has voiced. Oh yeah, she has. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I mean, okay. But you mentioned the animated series. That's where Harley Quinn originated though. So it's it not is, like there's yeah, an that, abundance of source Dini, material. Yeah. That's where Paul Dini created it. But of yeah. course, like, you know, the, the fact that there's that Dr. Harleen Quinzel, um, precursor. And if you already have the Joker in Arkham, then it makes sense. I'd, I'd be curious to see Arkham center around Dr. Harleen Quinzel and an Arkham series be almost centered on her descent into Harley Quinn. I, I think I speak for hardcore fans though, Wiss, when I say there are so many characters in the Batman universe that have either a not had justice, like just have not been done properly or B mm-hmm. haven't even seen the screen. Like we've had, we haven't had court of owls. We haven't had no. hush. Uh, God bless Titans, but we haven't really had a good Red Hood storyline yet. Um, and I would, not, I would not still to the kill to see justice. Deathstroke. I would kill to see a Deathstroke storyline. I, I still think that he is so menacing and so. I, I know they had a, a Teen Titans storyline uh, with Deathstroke, and of course they Deathstroke, did have Deathstroke one of my cast. They did have Deathstroke cast in the DCEU with Joe uh, Manganiello, Man- right? Exactly, and I thought that was. That was perfect casting. A, he looked like the guy who was Deathstroke in Arrow to begin with, and I thought that was, you know, a very good casting for him. Yeah, but uh, yeah, yeah, but I think I think Joe Bajanella was like perfect casting for that. Who who'd you cast now? Because you can't use Joe again. Why not? You can't. That's that's the <laughs> DCEU's. I I'm gonna try and keep that universe like different. I just I as a fan, I would like to move on. From the mm-hmm. DCEU. I, I think they have aspects of it that are salvageable for standalone films. But if I'm trying to create a universe like the Batman, I what are we, this episode's dropping Thursday the 10th. Mm-hmm. By this point, I think the Batman's on pace for maybe a billion dollar movie. Like it had the biggest opening weekend of anything since like Endgame, I think. Uh, it's it's going to be tough because, of course, there are some markets that uh, it, it can't be playing in right now because of world events. So, of course, that's going <laughs> to that affect, right. unfortunately. And, of course, you do still have um, some theaters being affected by um, pandemic restrictions in those countries. Yeah. So as far as I mean, like as far as the North American box office goes, Batman has definitely hit it out of the park. There's yeah. no question. But I don't I think it's going to be about a year before we see. You know, before we get back to a Force Awakens, Infinity War, End Game level, yeah, like where uh, I'm I mean, walking out of the Rise of Skywalker, like I did before, yeah. <laughs> no, I tell you, my buddy and I walked out of that. That was not. Uh, oh, it I could, don't even want to bring it, it up. Could have been better, but uh, I could, it yeah, it could have not been made. <laughs> Oi, I, I, th- I think you had to you go just, down just... that road. Okay, I don't want to harp on this too much because this is the Batman episode, okay? But like <laughs> that trilogy should have been handed to JJ and then you just wipe your hands clean of it. You say, JJ, I trust you. You made a hell of a Star Trek uh, trilogy when the Trekkie fans are so protective of their lore and just let him have it. Like he built a great tease in The Force Awakens with paying mm-hmm. tribute to all the previous stuff. All the fan service. Which is also, to tie it back into the Batman, I think Matt Reeves did that too, actually. I, I think he he was able to satisfy Batman fans with mm-hmm. a again 
a nice early version of the Batmobile. It doesn't have to be a final render. He nope. gave us an early version of the Bat bike, which looks like a regular motorcycle with like a spike at the front, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and he gave us like a, a Batman that's still learning, that is that well, is not speaking as much because he is trying to take in his surroundings and is trying to build relationships, is trying to uh, always calculate and is very cold and just is very stoic in his approach. I just love it. I'd love I love what Matt Reeves did, man. Oh. Well, even if even if you take a look at the uh, the bat suit design, there have been like the actual breakdowns of the bat suit in this. So cool, and how you know, a thank God we don't have bat nipples in this one. He tried no. it on though. Do you know the story behind that too? What he tried, he tried on, on so the bat nipples when he went when he went for a, a the first fitting, and I think Zoe Kravitz was there, so they had to do a scene there for like a screen test. She was telling the story about how. <laughs> she had to do a scene with Robert Pattinson as Batman in George Clooney's suit. I don't know. It was Val Kilmer's that had the bat nipples. Oh, George, then, George Clooney's was more oh, like. Oh, I'm getting it mixed up then. Blue no, it was. It, she was talking about the nipples. I think it was Kilmer's suit then. Uh, it was Kilmer's, yeah. So it must have been Kilmer's suit then, because she <laughs> she was saying uh, how she's like normally because she's worked with Robert in the past, but she's like, and then he has this this suit with nipples on. There's no way she was not. Take it seriously. <laughs> so clearly they picked the best actor for the job because she, you know, kept a straight face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, but but the fact that the suit was more utilitarian, very much based in like almost SWAT team type suits. Like, so he's still in the process of, and we, we, we said it earlier, an embryonic stage of the Batman's existence where he's just That's starting to. That's a great to, way to put it. Great way yeah, to put it. Yeah. It's, it's not. I have all the money in the world and I have all the tech in the world. I'm not like, you know, Gotham City Iron Man. Gotham very City much... Iron Man. I would play the shit out of that video game. Right? <laughs> <laughs> all, all of a sudden I'm having like Lego Batman, like Iron Man sucks. <laughs> but, but no, it is. It's an embryonic stage of Batman. He's built, he, He's putting it all together very much like Spider-Man's early suit before Tony Stark came in and gave him like the new Spider-Man suit. Um, So, so yeah, but also, and I, and I have to point out with the Batman, the score in this. Oh, beautiful. Is this not the most sparse yet still iconic score since Jaws? Wow. I got to think about that one for a second. That's, that's a heavy statement to make my friend i did not know you were going to throw that curveball at me but if you if you listen to like just that um haunting solo piano type um like introduction to the batman yeah i mean a little bit of an eyes wide shut type score at moments i heard the keaton theme as well a little bit a little bit but it was almost a very jaws like feel to that 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 solo piano you know like when you hear that dun, dun, you know the shark is coming when you hear that the dun 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 like like you know the batman is coming and it just adds so much more menace to his presence on screen without having it you know go full blown like you know screaming i am vengeance like we don't need that i love by the way i love that they kept that vengeance joke all throughout the movie that he right. says he's vengeance in the first five minutes and then all throughout they're like hey vengeance how you doing buddy like 
<laughs> like, like it's a nickname of his, like like what they call the penguin. Like, hey, vengeance. Hey, how's it going? You want a hot dog? How's it going? Hey, you want, hey, this is my buddy, vengeance. Hey, come on, vengeance. How you doing, vengeance? Hey, come on, forget about it. Hey, I, I don't know why I turned him into a New York guy, but yeah. But I, I think Pattinson definitely, you know, there's a history of, you know, people getting pat, cast as Batman and, 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 you know, the internet going, oh, really? I mean, yeah. Michael oh, Keaton, my God. Even Michael Keaton, when he was originally cast as Batman, people were like, really? M- Mr. Mom is Batman? Well, Pattinson uh, was saying he was like, yeah, this is the same hate that he got after he did Twilight because everyone hated Edward Cullen because he was so cold and a vampire. Mm-hmm. Duh. Um, but he was getting <laughs> he was getting all this like criticism for being cast as Batman. They're like, well, he's too skinny. He says he doesn't plan on bulking up. And and then the movie comes out and everyone's like, oh, my God, he's amazing. Best Batman ever. Like, are you kidding right. me? Well, I was one well, of those even... people that was like, can we just wait to see what he does, please? The only thing I'll say about Robert Pattinson and this, you know, this is a Batman problem is that it is very hard to both be a good Batman and be a good Bruce Wayne. I think mm. Keaton, like let, let's push Adam West aside. Cause that, that is just different tonality entirely. Yeah. Keaton it was a different, I think, was, I think he was a good Batman, but I don't think the Bruce Wayne part was scripted well enough for him to be a good Bruce Wayne. I agree. hundred percent. I think Val Kilmer was a better Batman because he sucked as Bruce Wayne. Okay. I think George Clooney was a horrible Batman, but he was a very good Bruce Wayne. Okay. Um, Christian Bale, I think, is the closest we've had to balancing both. I mean, Batfleck, a good Batman, not the best Bruce Wayne. You know, Pattinson. Again, we're talking a, a I don't a think younger... we can give Pattinson a, a comparison like we did with the rest of the actors because every time he was in Bruce Wayne civvies, he was either doing Batman stuff or he was looking for Batman stuff. Like it, it wasn't obviously like part of the story. Uh, spoilers. Part of the uh, story. I feel like if you've gotten this far, you've watched the movie. Come on. <laughs> it, also if you've gotten this far congratulations and thanks for listening yeah five you star likes cookie or something yeah great <laughs> you get paid as much as we do <laughs> double you know what we'll double it we'll, we'll double your pay we'll double it <laughs> no i feel like with pattinson and and it helped with the story of it that bruce wayne was neglecting his responsibilities and that's what helped the riddler's motivations so we got a batman movie we didn't get really any parts of bruce wayne to be honest yeah i think alfred was more bruce wayne at this point than, he had somebody than... serving him i was like who the hell is this uh this chick here in the in the room answering well, the phone and giving that, alfred parcels like what <laughs> that kind of goes back to the adam west batman though because it wasn't just alfred there yeah, was there got, was the ant there over. as well yeah. yeah so you know that that was an interesting ad you know and i don't know if they meant that to to kind of pull that from the Adam West Batman era. But I found that to be a, an interesting addition that, again, we haven't seen. Yeah, it does. It, you know what it helped with? Um, the emotional aspect of it. Because Alfred is supposed to be like a surrogate father to Bruce. Mm-hmm. Um, this helped me as a fan and as a viewer. Um, kind, kind of um, take myself out of the butler 
and rich guy relationship a little more like it made it feel like alfred and bruce were truly there for each other like they were a team the same way batman and gordon were a team there were good there were strong relationships built in this um that that yeah i felt like alfred that that's why that that moment where he got the the envelope where it said this envelope is flame proof Mm-hmm. That that got me because I was like, oh, my God, they've built up like the best Alfred Bruce Wayne relationship. And obviously they have to do some story development here or they have to raise the stakes for Bruce. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I also wish I didn't want to leave without uh, without saying this just in case we didn't get to it. Uh, my theater got up and cheered like loud when really? a certain car appeared to chase down a certain flightless bird. Yes. Oh my god, I mean, the headlights went on and everyone was like kind of rummaging like they had just seen Andrew Garfield through a portal. Um <laughs> and then oh, and then through the fire one, and flames. <laughs> Pardon me? You just spoiled that one too. There's, there's like one person care. out there who hasn't seen Spider-Man No Way Home goes, Andrew Garfield's in this one. They just released H like 4K stills today. It's Disney Investor Day. Like <laughs> there's there's like, there's one person out there who is avoiding the internet, going, I can't believe you just spoiled that. Also, oh. if they're avoiding the internet, they're not actually listening to us right now. So there you yeah, go. go ahead. That's how you sleep at night, Wes. That's it. That's how you do it. Exactly. But yeah, man, that was like the, the theater just cheered so loud. And I even I even like I got really excited. I got really excited. I didn't think I'd get that excited for a Batmobile, but I knew it was coming. And I also knew going into the movie that Matt Reeves was kind of uh, bragging that that whole sequence with the Batmobile driving through the fire and then Batman walking with all that fire in the background, all practical, no CGI, Mm -hmm. which is so cool. Before we step away, um, so we can talk about other things and we'll take a little bit of a break here. But uh, I want to ask, because we've talked about the DCEU movies following this have been pushed back. How much of this do you think is in reaction to how well the Batman is done? Because if you think about the su- the first Suicide Squad movie, mm-hmm. you know, Batman v Superman comes out uh, and they got Suicide Squad ready to go and all the critics like, like just crap all over Batman versus Superman. And then they go into instant change mode. Do you think the appreciation of this Batman is going to change things in the DCEU going forward. Yes. And for the better, because we have to speak for the fans, right? I think mm-hmm. it'll be for the better. They will focus more on storytelling and less on, uh, I, I just always think back to David Ayer doing the first suicide squad and how he had his cut made and then the studio went in and completely changed it, made him put some hipster tunes in there, made mm-hmm. him like completely change stuff. And it, it, it's just when we let artists, which is what these directors are, when we let artists who you've hired for their skill, for their storytelling ability, when you let them flourish in an environment with actors that want to... Um, to to stoke their vision that really really want everyone to succeed that's when you make beautiful art and mm-hmm. not not to get too like hipster or, or whatever i'm sounding like right now but just let people like when you hire somebody for a job and then you big brother them what do you expect the outcome to be like that's that's what the dceu is in right now it's a messy timeline 
after the flash i only expected to get messier mm-hmm. like you know this this batman movie is a chance for them to restart yeah and i'm not saying you scrap the other movies maybe you have a smaller universe where they just kind of hop around into each other's movies until they grow out of their roles and then you have this batman universe where we can start to really establish arkham you have a good batman you have a strong batman you have a good gordon you have a really really good university built Colin Farrell looks freaking amazing as as Penguin. Catwoman could be a recurring role now because they've made her just flaky enough that she could show up and she could not be there and we would understand either way. But she's also a really strong character that she could really add to your story because you've you've flushed her out so much in this movie. So I, I hope that they that they really flush out this Batman and his stories. I would be fine if Batman is kind of written out of Justice League. And they allow You mean Affleck's one or Keaton's one, whatever's in that universe now. Well, I mean, Keaton Keaton's already appearing in Batgirl, right? Um yeah. so I mean, I think this succeeds. I think because... they're giving him kind of like a Kingdom Come role. Sorry to cut you off. I think they're giving yeah. him like a Kingdom Kingdom Come Batman role in that. Which which would be interesting and I and I wouldn't hate that. Yeah. But I think Matt Reeves the Batman succeeds because because it's not tied into the DCEU. So there's probably mm. less handcuffs. And so they can sit there and say, you know, you can do this because it doesn't affect the rest of the world. Right. I just hope that it doesn't change much of current DCEU properties because Shazam was a fun movie. And I think Shazam going forward uh, with Fury of the Gods needs to maintain that tone. Otherwise, it's going to feel you're going to get a last Jedi kind of, you know, pushback because force awakens was very much the, the star Wars movie that star Wars fans wish they had with the prequel trilogy. Um, you know, foreshadow for what we're going to talk about in the second half here. <laughs> um, but last Jedi was more, I mean, aside from, you know, when they go down to try and find the, the code breaker and whatnot, um, it felt like submarine combat, almost like the hunt for red October where it's like, we're just going to move real slow through space. And, you know, <laughs> yeah. you know, you know, it, it's not star Wars. Star Wars is dog fighting. Star track is more submarine style combat. Uh, fly my, fly those X wings out. Just do that. Well, just okay. do that. Here's, here's, there was a fan. Uh, I went to the Toronto comic con and a fan explained it to me as star Wars is a war that is decorated in exploration. Star Trek is exploration decorated in a war. I like that. Right? I like that a lot. That's the main difference between the two because they always introduce Star Trek as a Federation vessel, not a war vessel. They're there to explore, seek out new worlds, uh, meet new species. Like that's that's their goal. Star Wars there's always kind of been a war going on, but you get to see new worlds. You get to explore new planets. George Lucas has always done, and Dave Filoni and and John Favreau have done a fantastic job of world building and showing us more of what's out there through the war, right? And Mm -hmm. through where the main characters are taken. Well, we're going to take a little bit of a break. uh, And when we come back, we are going to talk more about that little world that uh, we get to see more of in Star Wars. The Obi-Wan Kenobi trailer has come out. We're going to talk about Star Wars and so much more when we come back after this. You've heard it all before. 
Waste of film. Dumpster fire. How did this even get Train made? Rack. Total garbage. Fest. Utterly painful. Worst film ever. But is it really? The show is called It's Not That Bad, and we dare to look at the lowest rated shows and movies and see only the good things. We're looking for A grades and B movies. It's Not That Bad. Listen now, wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Just Another Nerd Show. I'm Kevin Hillsden. Joining me is Jason Whistle. We're going to be with you every week talking about basically whatever we want, but really it'll coincide with what you guys want because we're hoping that you guys are nerds just like us and arguably uh, the biggest name in nerdisms. Nerdisms? Nerd. Trying to combine nerdism and <laughs> orgasm. That's not the right. I don't think. I don't think no. those words go together. I'm not going to lie. When I saw the new Obi-Wan trailer, I think I had a nerdgasm. Well, that's what I was <laughs> that's what I was getting to. He's like one of the biggest names in the last 20 30 years now. Not 30 years. When did the first Phantom Menace come out? 01? 1999 so, was the was when the Phantom Menace came out. So we so are So the last 23 years. Yeah. I I would argue more so an Attack of the Clones cuz we got more peak Ewan McGregor there. But mm-hmm. Revenge of the Sith was definitely one of, if not like, oh, it still is one of my favorite movies. Um, it, it was just so cinematically beautiful and the story in it, like George had so much to wrap up. And then now we're getting more Ewan McGregor, more mm-hmm. Obi-Wan Kenobi as a trailer dropped uh, Wednesday afternoon for Disney Investor Day. And... I, I mean, oh my God. I'll tell you my first thoughts, Wiss. This looks absolutely stunning. And Dave Filoni is bringing more things from the animated shows that he has introduced. And I'm not going to lie. I freaking love it. And I can't wait for more. Mm-hmm. And oh, I'm I mean, just so excited, man. The minute we got Duel of the Fates. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, I had to oh, go. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. I had that, to go that's scream what... in another room. That's where the nerdgasm came in right there. And it's just like, because there were a couple things, you know, say what you will about the prequel trilogy. Mm. Um, you cannot deny that Ewan McGregor's Obi-Wan Kenobi and Duel of the Fates in the soundtrack in The Phantom Menace were highlights of that era of Star Wars. And the fact that you blend the two together, the fact that we're getting Inquisitors into this. Yeah. Yeah. And like you said, like we have the Clone Wars animated series to pull from. You know, you have a, a world of of Star Wars. You know, I mean, the Ahsoka series is going to be coming up if they bring in Grand Admiral Thrawn. Oh, I'm going to lose my ish. Well, we got to keep in mind as well. They've cast Rosario Dawson as Ahsoka. Mm hmm. So they would, yeah, yes, 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 yes. Sound like Andrew Garfield now. No, yes, yes, no, 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 no. Um, no, but they would have to because Kenobi series is taking place about, I think it was like eighteen to twenty years before the Mandalorian and before the Book of Boba Fett and before I think the Ahsoka series as well. Yeah, because I mean Luke so, is still a kid. You know, yeah, it's pretty we're, self-contained. We're, yeah, we saw Kid Luke. Yeah, that's crazy. So, um, that kind of that kind of sets the scene as to where we are at this point, right? So, I mean, obviously, you know, Mandalorian and Book of Boba Fett. I mean, 
you know, we're talking post Return of the Jedi, Fall of the Empire, mm-hmm. um, a bit more of the uh, the Outer Rim kind of thing. Um, so we're getting a lot of that. Um, so now we're going to get that, you know, post Order sixty six um, era Star Wars, and I think I think that's going to be very very cool because I mean, there's still Jedi out there. So of mm-hmm. course, you know, the clones are still going to be looking for that. There's still, you know, the Empire starting to take over from the Republic. There, it's going to be a time of unrest. I hope, you know, and of course we only saw, you know, basically after you take out all the title cards and whatnot, about mm-hmm. a minute and a half of what's going to be this limited series for Obi-Wan Kenobi. Um, we saw how many Inquisitors? I saw three or four i think I, I i think i think at least two or three we know the hayden Christian and we know one is called return. number five from the rebel show mm-hmm. so is that indicative of because we also got one that has a name so does that mean we're seeing like six <laughs> and and that's the thing like like at what point do we have ventress come in is, is she going oh. to be in this one like the the if you think about the fan ventress. reaction when i mean there were there were there was aspects of Book of Boba Fett that kind of dragged a little bit, but the minute Cad Bane showed up, like all of a sudden it's like, okay, that divided fans been... for all of 10 minutes. I got texts from my cousin who's star Wars crazy. And he goes, man, he looks awful. I'm like, you know, star Wars, like Clone Wars is, you know, nobody looks good. Right. Well, like everyone um, looks different, but it's all, it's all about the, you know, the representation, the fact that he's there. Yeah. Right? You know, Ahsoka in the lives action is huge. Yeah. And the, the fact that you have, you know, Thrawn himself in the Rebel series, like he, I think it was the first character from like that, that Timothy Zahn era expanded universe books to actually make it to a, even an animated Star Wars property. So, I'm and again, you have so much there. Like, I don't know if we're going to get like a Mara Jade you know, the emperor's hand, I'd love to see her in it. But then of course that leads to the, you know, well in the books, of course, Mary Jade and Luke get married and they have kids. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So I don't, but I mean, it doesn't mean to say you can't bring in a, the emperor's hand and maybe that's where they go. Like if, if, if one of the, cause there's the one Sith in the, in the trailer for Obi-Wan, um, doesn't necessarily look like the pale-faced Inquisitors that you have from Rebels mm-hmm. and Clone Wars. If that's their representation of what a Mara Jade could be, I'm all for it. I think you're I'm talking about Reva. Her name is Reva on the show. Hmm. And she she's supposed to be like a younger Inquisitor. I mean, if they if they re if they reestablish Mara Jade as an Inquisitor as opposed to, you know, as opposed that would to be other really things. cool. That would be very, very cool. Yes, that would absolutely. be so cool. And you have like, because Vader is in charge of the Inquisitors, but if you have the Emperor, because Ian McDermott's been like, pardon my French, he's been a real like a hole to fans <laughs> in the sense of he's teasing us like crazy. Like every time somebody asks him, he goes, "Well, I didn't think uh, Ewan would come back, but uh, here I am." Like and I was like, "Damn it! Like don't do that, man! Don't do that!" It is ah! interesting. 
It is interesting because, of course, um, Timothy Zahn, who wrote and is still writing a ton of the best Star Wars books out there, um, he's the guy who created Thrawn in the books and created Merit Jade um, to the Star Wars universe. And, of course, um, he's still out there doing um, book tours and conventions and the like. And one of the ones recently um, that he was at, uh, Shannon Baxa showed up as well. Now, Shannon Baxa was the makeup artist slash actress that was um used as the 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 visual template for um the artwork that's done of Mara Jade. She was basically like if they wanted to do a a a quote unquote live action picture of Mara Jade in action, Shannon mm-hmm. Baxa was the model that they used. So the fact that she's out there um doing more conventions, I I wonder, I wonder if that's mm. to drive up the interest of Mara Jade, I don't know. It may just simply be that, you know, her character is is very much like Thrawn in that it was so well appreciated and brought in that it's it's almost to a point where we might need a Mara Jade. And I I would love to see an Emperor's Hand story based on yeah. Mara Jade. You don't even have to have her get together with Luke. Yeah. 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 We don't need that. I would love to see a marriage aid story. That would, I think that would be awesome. And like, how did she become the Emperor's Hand? But I mean, as far as the Obi Wan trailer, well, the one so the one good. question I had, Wis, which I, I'd love for you to to uh, clarify for me, I know that if you're going to do Hayden Christensen in this series, you're either having flashbacks where you de-age him because the technology's gotten pretty good for that. Mm-hmm. But I, I've heard that he's also going to be in the Vader suit. Yeah, And they're going to have a rematch with Obi-Wan and Vader. And I'm thinking in this trailer, the more that I watch it, how you're pinning, you're making the Inquisitors the main villains of it. I'm wondering where Vader even fits into this. Well, if you think about the end of Return of the Jedi, right, which is kind of where we're picking shortly after where we're picking this up, because, of course, Luke is, you know, he looks to be about five or six years old at this point. I mean, he's still a kid. Um, You know, he's not... You know, he's not Anakin age um, when we first met Anakin in Phantom Menace. Right. Uh, I think he's a little bit younger. So, you know, it's probably about three or four years after. They, they've said, uh, I think it's 10 years after Revenge of the Sith. So he'd be 10. He'd be 10. Okay. Yeah. So it, it seems a little younger, but I mean, like, you know, either way, I mean, this is a, you know, space fantasy film. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, if Grogu can be 50 years old, then. That's true. Absolutely. Right. But, you know. At this point, Vader's in the suit. Like, there, yeah. there's no question. This isn't like we're getting, you know, Vader's getting used to it and the helmet's off kind of thing, like a Kylo Ren type thing. No. Vader's in the suit, and it's 10 years after um, Return of the, or uh, sorry, um, Revenge of the Sith, then yes, Vader is very much the right hand man to, to the Emperor. He's the one who's going out and doing their bidding. So Vader's established, and of course, Obi Wan knows who Vader is. So if they're still hunting down the Jedi, if, if word comes out, then the inquisitors get sent in first. And if you think about, um, I think it was the second season of rebels. Um, when they, you know, they defeated the, the inquisitor that was after them at the time. And then that's when they send in Vader. If that's the era of Vader that we're going to get, then that that's going to be awesome. Because again, it pulls from that. It's the Grand Inquisitor that goes down yeah, the second but... season, I believe. So he's in the show. So he can't go down. Mm-hmm. Um, I just hope they get off Tatooine. I'm tired of seeing Tatooine. 
Well, for, for those for those of you that are watching that that are maybe like, what are these guys talking about? Like the the Inquisitors were basically employed by Vader. The Grand Inquisitor actually is said to be uh, a Jedi Temple guard or something. Like one of the one of the ones with like the white or the yellow lightsabers. Like the the very like pure of peace. Like um, are the Temple guards? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. very strong with the force but just don't don't care for the war don't care for the politics they just want to do a job and they're they're powerful enough on their own um but inquisitors are basically either younglings taken at birth uh by vader and just trained to use the force or they're jedi that he's turned uh to hunt other jedi so that's where this gets interesting because why would they be on tatooine they're not looking for luke and they're clearly doing a show of force by the trailer here. They're doing mm-hmm. a show of force to try and draw out somebody. How would they know that Obi-Wan is there? And if they do, this is scary because there's multiple Inquisitors. Like, it's different when two Jedi get yeeted by one Darth Maul with two lightsabers or with a double-sided lightsaber. Mm-hmm. Um, but now you're facing multiple Inquisitors who are force-sensitive and have pretty good saber skills. And Obi-Wan is not looking too young and spry anymore. So obviously we know he makes it out because unless Alec Guinness is a different Obi-Wan. <laughs> multiverse. No, we're not having a Star Wars multiverse. Yeah, doesn't not, the Flash go in and... Uh, no, never mind. Not, not everything could be a multiverse. Yeah. <laughs> but, but it is going to be interesting. And I wonder if there's going to be some kind of dynamics in here because if Vader isn't the one going in right away, Mm-hmm. Um, then that means Vader is probably the one in charge of training the Inquisitors in hunting down the Jedi because, you know, let's be honest, if anyone knows how to kill Jedi, even the younglings, um, it's it's Darth Vader. So I wonder... I mean, killing younglings for him was like us playing Duck Hunt as kids. Yeah, well, you know... <laughs> See, now I'm just trying to picture the dog at the end of, like, that scene going... <laughs> 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 oh, oh by the way by the way question for you question for yes. you because they kind of tease this at the end of book of boba fett who do you think rescued grogu as far as like from the from the order 66 he had a vision that he was there at the temple and there was I... the 501st legion that was there too so we got the temple thing everyone's you saying it's based that Windu, but... probably there no ahsoka wouldn't have gone back to coruscant no no where was she that's no i don't know but she did she wouldn't have gone back like she was so she was disgraced left from the jedi order like didn't i don't think she wanted anything to do with coruscant i just can't imagine i'm wondering because obi-wan goes traveling and he goes to this uh this mysterious planet but they also always alter trailer footage right Mm -hmm. so i'm wondering if any of the shots maybe he goes back to no that wouldn't make sense that's dumb that's dumb because he was on Coruscant. Oh, he was on Coruscant. He was maybe before he left. He went to Mustafar. It's it's possible. It's possible because when you think about the trailer, of course, there's that one scene where I don't know if it's an Inquisitor or not. That's that's on top of that building with the neon on it, and we've never seen neon on on Tatooine. So it's very possible that the neon is more of the, uh, the, the underbelly of Coruscant. And if, Obi- if like the first episode is Obi-Wan, maybe in a flashback going back to try to do a, uh, extract the, the, the remaining Jedi uh, from Coruscant. And if 
bringing some of those Jedi to Tatooine is what brings the Inquisitors to Tatooine. Um, Like there's, there's so much that we don't know about this, except the fact that we get more Ewan McGregor's Obi-Wan and that alone. How bone chilling would it be if the series opened up on black, like just black screen. And it's Mm -hmm. like one of those old timey recordings of Obi-Wan saying, this is a message that's going out to any surviving Jedi. Like, you know, the message that he put out in revenge of the Sith. Mm-hmm. telling them to stay away like that kind of that would be oh chill i that, just got chills like thinking about it that would be very akin to if you think about the beginning of infinity war mm-hmm. um rather than the you know the the marvel uh, the marvel studios um sting that they have with the animation you have that very like that and you've got the uh the, the mayday call from the, the i from think the he's Asgardian as guardian ship. and he's like this is a civilian vessel yeah, children on board. That would that would be. I think you almost have to start the Obi Wan series. Um, that would be so cool in the in the middle of Order sixty six, right? With Obi Wan maybe going in and trying to bring the Jedi out. It would make sense. It would make mm-hmm. sense if Obi Wan went to go rescue or at least see how many Jedi are still there. I'm curious. I'm curious and. I haven't seen a single rumor. I have not seen any mention of this whatsoever. But if you think about the end of Revenge of the Sith, um, you get Yoda saying to Obi-Wan that he talked to Qui-Gon. I wonder if we're going to get a Liam Neeson um, Force Ghost cameo. Not through the whole series, but just one, one moment. Of Liam Neeson as a Forest Ghost, because but that because that would tie up his Revenge of the Sith storyline, where Yoda said to him, "An old master has learned mm-hmm. the path to immortality." Exactly, and then you get that nice moment to kind of bookend Obi Wan a little bit, because like he's a mysterious figure in A New Hope. We don't really get mm-hmm. that bookend with him, right? We kind of get okay, you meet Luke, you teach him a little bit, you kind of expose him a little bit to the ways of the Force, and then he goes and seeks knowledge elsewhere, but. I mean, we don't exactly. really get that book ending. Yeah, I no, I like that. I like that. And, I haven't heard anything about Liam Neeson though. It would be it would be interesting because I mean, you know, I mean he's still around. Yeah, we we can have him. You know, I'm I'm sure he's you know can sneak away from like Taken Seventeen, the Takening, and, and the Takening, the Takening. <laughs> at that point, I think it is a multiverse with Fast and Furious. At that point, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, if he wants to show up as a Forest Ghost, I'm cool with that. The Taken know. and the Furious. Is that what it is? <laughs> Taken and the Furious. <laughs> he, no. he tooketh. He tooketh at that point. <laughs> Le- Liam Neeson is an Inquisitor. I'll find you and I will kill you. <laughs> I will find you. Oh, what was the one? Oh, I used to do this thing on uh, <laughs> back when I used to play video games. I would do this thing where I would try to do like a Morgan Freeman voice and I would try to like I, I'd be on like the comms with the guys and I get real quiet and then I go, I could smell you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's, a, it's 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 that guy again. He's making fun of me. Corner. Yeah, <laughs> just, just really. <laughs> so, so you're the one who was basically like intimidating Korg on the Xbox. Yeah. Hey, man. Hey. <laughs> oh, my God. It's so- me, mister. <laughs> Oh man! Of course, this month we're also getting the release of Moon Knight. Oh, how man. how stoked are you for this? Ah, uh, Moon Knight. Well, he said, "What did he say in the interview?" It was uh, this is the first character study since Tony Stark. 
which I found a little interesting because it seems like a jab at the other characters. But then you look at it and you're like, no, Tony Stark was very much a character study because he was an alcoholic who, you know, had all the women, had all the money, really had no reason to become a superhero and then was immediately humbled because of an incident and was shown the horrors of what he had been doing, which makes me think Oscar Isaac studying into Moon Knight. He's he's somebody with a and I got to make sure that I say this right, because I don't I don't want to offend a whole community here. Um, cause I said, I said earlier that he had schizophrenia, but somebody was like, no, nope, that's wrong. Like, I'm like no, okay. I think it's, I think it's multiple personality disorder. It's a multi, yeah, it's a multiple personality disorder. So there's, it's not just one character study. Like you're learning the Mark, uh, Spectre, you're learning the, um, what's, what's the other guy's name? Steve, Stevie something. Well, there's Mark Spectre. There's like Mr. Knight, that kind of Mr. persona Knight, that's going to come in through this. Yeah. I think he's it's, also going to personify Conchu at some point. That'll mm-hmm. be really cool. It's almost, I think, going to be like when James McAvoy was in uh, Split. Of course, yeah. like all the different personalities within that. And we're probably going to get a little bit of that with Oscar Isaac. Yeah. I like the fact that it's it's a character we haven't seen too much. Uh, like Even in the animated world. You know, Moon Knight did appear once or twice in the Avengers Assemble series. Yeah. But it's not, he's not out there you know and you know i think it's going to be a disservice to just write this off as oh hey it's marvel's batman but like the the other color you know like but like the other color that's that's a movie title batman (laughs) but like the other color (laughs) pretty (laughs) pg-13 it's like batman but in negative no um (laughs) but in negative no i funny you bring that up though because i was talking about that with my buddy the other day where we were talking about, oh, like, what do you think the next Avengers is going to be? What do you think? Uh, what do you think they're going to do? And I said, well, they're building a young Avengers roster right now. They have kind of a revolving door of Avengers right now. They could do an Avengers movie if they wanted to. But I think what they want to do is actually like franchise out. I think they want to have Avengers rosters like the Space Avengers. They're not going to call it that. They're going to call them probably the uh, as Guardians of the Galaxy or something i don't know but they're going to build a cosmic team um mm-hmm. that will likely first encounter galactus and then when they lose they'll retreat back to i don't know uh the earth avengers and then they'll retreat back to the mystic um i can't remember the the name it's oh it's on the tip of my tongue but it's the one with ghost rider doctor strange uh moon knight blade um, i mean you if, if that's well, the, the midnight suns midnight suns. yeah midnight suns yeah which by the way that video game the midnight suns video game that's coming out like oh, just from the so good. from the cinematic trailers that's come out it it does look phenomenal um but it, it'll be it is interesting because as you mentioned um you know we do have a Mahershala Ali blade coming up of course uh, we haven't seen yet just, but we've heard him we've heard we him he's there it. And apparently, his first um, his first appearance is going to be in some, uh, I guess, Marvel werewolf special that they're that they're creating. It's almost like a, a, a yeah, a werewolf by night is supposed to be a spinoff on Moon Knight. Mm-hmm. And I mean, like the fact that we're get, we're getting um, the Netflix Defenders as well. It's going to be interesting because the Defenders, of course, comes on to Disney Plus Canada. Um, March 16th and, and I, mm-hmm. I personally enjoyed most 
of the defenders. I mean, you can take Iron Fist and just kind of recast and call it a multiversal accident. I'm fine with that. Yeah. But if you think about it, you know, I mean, I'd also like to see him with a good writer, but go on. Yeah, well, you know, but if we're going to get a ghost writer and we're going to get uh, we're going to get Blade, we know we're getting Blade, we're getting Moon Knight, pair them with Daredevil, totally fine with that. But the fact that we've also seen Defender Strange in the Multiverse of Madness trailer, mm. it's very possible that rather than more, because uh, it does feel like they are going towards a Dark Avengers as well. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, that would be headed potentially by Norman Osborn if we get a Norman Osborn. Um, now that we've established that Norman Osborn can exist because of a multiverse, um, mm-hmm. of course, with with U.S. Agent, with Osborn in the Iron Patriot suit, uh, you've got Yelena Belova. You can have Venom because, of course, um, uh, again, Spider-Man spoiler for that one guy who who's been avoiding the Internet. we got that little bit of the come on, guy, come on, behind. come on, guy, come on, watch a damn movie, will you? Um, stop. Stop waiting for the HD download. OK, just go go to the theater. It's OK. <laughs> just, just just go. You know, yeah. so we're going to get a Dark Avengers. We're going to get um, uh, potentially a Midnight Suns style Avengers. You're going to get more of a traditional a, a young Avengers, too, of course, with um, uh, with Kamala Khan and with um, possibly uh, Monica Rambeau. Um, you're going to have. um I don't I don't I don't know if we'll ever get an actual scroll girl for it. It's possible. I know they had her cast. Um No, they haven't they cast did. Squirrel Girl, have they? There there was going to be um a Marvel series that was based on um I can't remember what it was was called off the top of my head, but they had her cast. Squirrel Girl was going to be cast. It was uh Milena Vaintrup. Um the the girl from the um from the I can't remember what commercial she was in. Um, but yeah, no, they had her cast. Uh, but then that series got scrapped. The good thing is we have all these these Marvel properties that are coming at us with Moon Knight, with Doctor Strange. There's so many different ways that it could go. We have a lot to talk about over this next year because we are spoiled. We as nerds, we are spoiled. And I think next week, next week, we got to talk about the Adam Project because, of course, we got Ryan Reynolds reteaming with Sean Levy. Of course, that partnership from Free Guy. Um, I I started watching the Guardians of Justice on Netflix. I don't know if you watched it. Um, it's out there. I'll add it <laughs> I'm to not the gonna list. Lie. I haven't seen uh, it yet, but I uh, will add it to the list. Yeah, you might want to uh, have an edible before that one. It's, have an it's, edible. It's, it's, <laughs> oh, it's it's kind of out there, but but we can talk about that next week. Um, right. Kev, what are you looking forward to this weekend? I honestly, Guardians of Justice. Now, I, I'm <laughs> I, I'm looking forward to that. I I have, I have nothing to watch now, man. There's no like there's no TV on. Ten fifteen minutes, and you'd be like, "Why the heck am I watching this?" That's um, true. I I will say I am looking forward to because I haven't had a chance to watch um the first episodes of um of Picard season two yet. So I'm going to do a, a bit of a catch up on that. And of course, as mentioned, I'm going to looking forward to um, the Adam project with Ryan Reynolds. Uh, and what I'm looking forward to is next week's talk with you uh, on this, our new podcast, just another nerd show. I'm Jay. He's Kev. 
until next time next week when we get to talk about more nerdy things by the way if you wanted to you know talk about something to us if you got something that you want us to talk about um just hit us up on twitter at another nerd show always happy to pick up some new topics so until next week kev thanks so much we will catch you next time take care